Hey, my name is Jared. If we're meeting for the first time, I get to launch a series today. It's called Wish You Were Here, and that picture really ticks me off because I wish I was there, wherever there is, and of course, with you with me. I'm Church on the beach, doesn't that sound good? Someone suggested that maybe you can do communion with coconut milk and coconut. I don't know that that, I don't know that that works, but wish you were here. We're talking about what we aspire to for the next several weeks. It's what will happen and you will grow into if you stick around Jesus over the long haul. We're going to be talking about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And if those nine uh, descriptors sound familiar to you, uh, we find them in the Bible, in the book called Galatians chapter 5, and we call those, if you know the label with me, you can say it out loud, the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to be seeing what happens when people hang around Jesus long term. Here's the backstory. The Apostle Paul traveled around the Roman Empire, and when he was in a geographic region called Galatia, kind of like going to a region like the state of Oregon, he started some churches. And very quickly, he would identify some people with some leadership gifts that seemed to have integrity, and they would begin to lead that church, and he would go on and do the same place in other places. Things weren't well, went well for a while, apparently, and then the churches went sideways, all of them together at the same time in the same place. And so he writes this letter to give correction and to fix this mess that they had gotten themselves into. And here's the problem. If you have a Bible or a device, you might like to follow along in Galatians chapter 5. If you prefer to check out the text on the screen, it will be there as well. Galatians 5 verses 1 and 4 sets the problem up. Here it is. So Christ has truly set us free. Now, make sure that you stay free and you don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. Let me summarize. You started in grace, then you made a bunch of rules. When you go from grace to rules, you fall out of grace. I don't know exactly what falling out of grace means, but it's probably not good. Would you agree? This is not a good place. Their problem was they moved from grace to rules. And we're going to learn three things today. The first one is this. Our love for God is expressed in our love for others. Now, some of you just read and heard that, and that sounds a little mamby-pamby to you. In a moment, I think you're going to agree with me that if this is not highly controversial, it is extremely challenging at least. Our love for God is expressed in our love for others. Show your love for God by loving people. And this really should be encouraging. Uh, Evergreen, I mean, we just celebrated. I mean, what you and God did last year was phenomenal. It's amazing. And Anne just highlighted a a few of the many items. There's a few more on your, your handout of ways that you have engaged in loving people here, near, and far. And we didn't even begin to collect the stories of how the hundreds of you in your own homes and neighborhoods and communities and schools and places of work engaged in loving and caring for people. So I love being a part of this church. I'm proud to be a part of a church that really gets this and does it so well. 
He goes on to say this, Galatians 5.13, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Say it with me, would you? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that sounds familiar to most of us, doesn't it? All through the Bible, the big deal is love God and love people. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 22 said the first and greatest command is this, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. But do you notice what the apostle Paul just did? He made a contraction of the big command A and B, and he abbreviated it to just B. But he said, all of the law is summarized in just this part. Now, why did he leave out the love God with all you've got and just contracted it to love your neighbor as yourself? Well, I think there's two reasons. First, he knew they loved God. (laughs) He was writing to Christians after all. They went sideways, but they were very sincere about their love for God. I think the second reason that he contracted to love your neighbor as yourself is that he wanted them to know that they, like all of the rest of us, can very easily go sideways on this thing and think that our pursuit of loving God is naturally going to express itself in loving others. And Paul was a classic story of a study of someone who had gotten that one wrong. He makes it simpler. He knows how messed up people can get when they create rules and elevate religion above relationship. And he had lived that story well. So this helps us with some huge questions about history. In Christendom, it helps us explain the horrors of the Crusades, where people were slaughtered if they didn't convert under duress, or the tortures of the Spanish Inquisition, of people who were forced to Uh, confess that they were heretics. Or in Salem, Massachusetts, the witch hunts that burned women and men in the name of Jesus. It answers some of the twisted view in our own day of people professing to love God patiently while hating people and expressing that in beheadings in the name of God. It's crazy. It's where the Galatians were. So the first thing of three that we learn from this passage is our love for God is expressed in our love for others. You can't have A without B. If you truly have A, you will have B. The second thing we learn is that rules and religion do not make you more loving. Yeah, don't vote on this. It's unkind. In your little heart, ever met anybody like that? Oh man, they are full pious. They are so spiritual. They are so right, disgustingly, all the time. And that they are dusty, crusty, mean people. But they're so right. Rules and religion do not make you more loving. Now here, get ready. Paul was a Jewish jihadist. He was zealously passionately 
committed to loving God, so much so that he tracked, arrested, and even killed Christians. He said he was more passionate toward loving God than any of his peers while he was simultaneously killing people. And he writes, as we continue reading in his letter to the Galatians, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, the sinful nature, it it wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. And if you say, read my mail, that's my life. Guess what? We know you're not as good as you act. Yeah. And we know that because God's spirit is in you, that you have the potential to be where we wish you were. And we wish we were all here too. That's the reality of this thing. War is going on. So I have a very important question for Brad and others. Have you seen the most recent Star Wars movie? Yeah, Rogue One. Yeah. Ann and I, uh, this dates us, but you know, uh, you've already figured out that we're not all that young. Uh, we watched the first Star Wars movie 40 years ago. We've watched most of them since. And uh, yeah, well, thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm cooler than you think, Dr. Chad. I am. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. So how has the Star Wars franchise told the same story over three generations for 40 years and still makes a ton of money? I think it has to do with the thesis. The thesis is the force. And the force is a metaphysical force that has a good side and it has a bad side. And the bad side of the force is self-centered power and it demolishes anyone or anything that's in its way. Paul has just written the star the Star Wars theme here. In fact, I think they should pay Paul uh, franchise fees because the, the script, the story came right out of this battle, this epic battle of these two competing forces and this war is going on inside of you. Right now, every day, this is the war. It is a fight against each other and it says that in our life, we all have sinful nature. Sometimes it's called the flesh. And you were born with this thing. I call it the flesh operating system, FOS. Just, it, was the, it, was the, it was the software you started with, and it started young, and your parents will attest to that. It was not a pretty thing that made those squeaks and noises to start with. And, and we have this FOS, and the flesh operating system produces in us, he's writing this to Christians, it produces in us thoughts and passions that cause us to fail in life, the life that we aspire to of loving God and loving people. Let's talk about these passions for a minute. So key to this passage. Inordinate passions are sometimes called lusts. So in our passage, the version that I was using today, it uses the word desire. And it uses the word desire both about the flesh and about the spirit. They both desire us to be and do certain things. Those passions. Now, the word in some older translations actually was translated lust, which for us primarily has a connotation of out of control sexual desire and passion. But the idea is more general. 
It is taking something that is good and it is giving it an ordinate attention. It's putting good on steroids until it becomes something that is bad and harmful. And he says the war that's inside of you is to take the essence of God's image in you and to tear it in lustful passion in one destructive direction or to inflame it and empower it in another direction toward the fulfillment of being all that God wants you to be and loving him and loving others. So let me illustrate. Is it a good thing to aspire to a career and to engage in a career and to do your best to grow in that career? I think so. And some of you her parents are really hoping that for your kids. I understand. But when career becomes inflamed, you can become a workaholic. Good to lusty. How about making money? Is that a good thing? Yeah, don't ask me. You can't sit on the couch and ask me to fund your way. Yeah. But when making money becomes loving money, it went from good to lust. Family, we want our families to be healthy. But when family becomes the thing we focus on to the exclusion of God and others, it went from good to lusty. Good, good reputation. We want to have a good reputation. But when we start violating our principles to please other people, it went from good to lusty. Loving your spouse is awesome. Please strive to have a healthy marriage. But if you move toward making marriage your exclusive priority... You moved it from good to lust. And this is the fight that Paul is talking about. FOS, flesh operating system, takes something that's good and it sucks it to the center of your heart and it says this, not God, is the most important thing. And that is the fight that goes on within us that Paul's talking about. But here's the good news. You don't have to follow the FOS. God has placed in you an SOS. The spirit operating system, yes. Now, moving from the FOS to the SOS is kind of like migrating from PC to Mac or from Mac to PC. It is not a pretty process, yeah. You can get there, but I guarantee it's gonna be frustrating. There's gonna be a learning curve You're going to uh, think some bad thoughts, and if you're as bad as I am, occasionally express those. You're going to require help from some other people to coach you along the way, because it is a process of changing from one operating system to the other, but it is entirely possible, and it is what we aspire to. We wish you were here. It's the SOS. Here's the deal. The FOS tells us to live to please ourselves. And the SOS leads us to live to please God and love others. It's called love. All of the law and the prophets can be summarized in this, love your neighbor as yourself. So let's take a look at those. You want to have a good job, but you have a job to be a blessing to others. You want to make money so that you have some left over to help others. You wanna have a good family so that your family can be a blessing to others. You wanna have a good reputation so it gives credibility for the gospel message you wanna share with your friends. Spirit operating system. 
So we've learned two things. First, our love for God must be expressed in loving others. And second, rules and religion do not make us more loving. Third thing, following the Spirit's guidance produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. I'm a little ticked at this passage. I want to be a macho Western man. I like words like lead, confidence, initiate. I didn't find any of those words in this passage. I found two words. I don't care for either of them because I only have these as my options. Paul says you've got two options. You are either going to be following your flesh or you're going to be being led by the Spirit. Do you get the responsive nature of both? Yeah. Listen, I want to tell the stinking flesh exactly what to do and where to go. Yeah. And I'd like for God to consult with me before he gives me little requirements in my life. <laughs> Here's the human condition. You don't get to initiate. You do not lead in this battle. You make a decision about what you're going to respond to. Are you going to follow? Are you, go- are you going to, uh, to be led? So here we go. Following the Spirit's guidance produces the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Now, let's read about those options as we continue. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses. But when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger... Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and a bunch of other sins like these. He's only mentioned 15 of them. It's a tip of the iceberg, and aren't you glad he stopped there? It sounds like spring break. But he's not in South Beach, Florida. He's writing to Christians in sweet little loving congregations. Is this amazing? What's the wild party and orgy thing going on? In their context, it's the form, a part of the form of worship that they'd come out of. And some of the Christian people came here and they worshiped like we did today on Sunday. And then they went and did their other thing at another time of the week. And, and I, I don't have to just put all this back in the context. Here's the deal. You look better than you are. This is what we are. These are the nasties that are running around in there. This is what the war looks like. And it's why as a congregation, a community of faith and friends, we, we want to create an environment that doesn't lower the bar. It just makes it okay to tell the truth about how life is working for us. Life is a battle. It's a struggle. It's a fight. And it's a war. And all kinds of nasties pop out. He goes on to say this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's go back to the previous slide. Now notice this. This is an incomplete but representative list of sins. It's each one, though, of the 15, takes something that is good and it overemphasizes it into a lust which ends up working against us. Let me illustrate. Sex is good. It was God's idea. But lust drives sex into immorality, 
and impurity. Pleasure is good. But the FOS makes the pursuit of pleasure your God. Appreciating someone is good. But lust, which is an overemphasis, can make them your passion, which is an idol, idolatry. Recoiling at evil is good, but an overemphasis will lead you toward hostility. Having convictions is powerful, but overemphasizing them creates dissension. Differentiation is humble and helpful. I'm different than you, and I need you. You're different than me, and you need me. But overemphasizing our differences produces division. Appreciating what others have is respectful, but fixating and lusting on it is called envy. You have been created in the likeness and image of God, and the FOS inflames good qualities and it drives them toward an overemphasis to make them evil in their affect and self-centered in their focus. And the Holy Spirit has brought the SOS into your life to take those qualities and to inflame them passionately. And yes, in some of your older translation Bibles will say, the Spirit lusts in you to inflame those qualities into an expression of loving God and loving people. And if you love God, you will love people so much that Paul says all the prophets and the, uh, uh, the law is summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Well, when you find yourself battling inside, I have good news for you. You are probably in Christ. There's a pretty serious phrase that we just read. And Paul said, you know, if you continue habitually in this kind of a lifestyle, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. What he's talking about is that people who find themselves comfortably pursuing those kinds of expressions, and he's saying to them, you know, you inherit something that you have some ownership in. And if your life is living nothing but this list of 15 at all, then probably you don't have much ownership in the kingdom of God. Here's the good news. Are you fighting Are you at war inside? Does it bother you that the nasty FOS ends up pulling you away from time to time? Here's the good news. You're very likely in Christ. You wouldn't care about the battle if you weren't. The fact that you're fighting is an indication that Christ is in you and he's working with you to win the battle. Now, Paul contrasts that kind of outworking of life in another way. Notice verses 22 and 23. But, here's the transition. By the Holy Spirit, he produces this kind of fruit in our lives. In fact, would you read these nine with me? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and (laughs) self-control. And then, by the way, this is supposed to be funny. For these people who left grace and they got into laws, There's no law against any of these things. And they all had to agree. Haven't come up with a law against those things yet. That's right. Yeah. Well, I think you might appreciate hearing this introduction to property law from a toddler's point of view. 
Go ahead and picture him, her in your mind. Brad, you have a couple of suspects in your house. Here we go. Property law by a toddler. If it's mine, if I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I say I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If I, you lay down your toy, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yeah, yours. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. So we came by this FOS, honestly. Right after we popped out of the womb, it was all about Wah! mine right from the start. So we all started in this condition. So we've learned some things today about God's working in us. I want to leave you with three quick things about the fruit. I want you to remember, first of all, that this is fruit singular. The next few weeks, we're going to unpack this two of these expressions at a time. Fruit is singular. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus' favorite uh, gardening metaphor was a grapevine. A grapevine produces a, what are those clumps of grapes called? What are they? Cluster. That's very important. That was my punchline, by the way. Yeah, A cluster of grapes. Yeah. So you're not supposed to go to a grapevine and find individual grapes. You go to a grapevine, and if the grapevine was fruitful, it produced, it produced a cluster of grapes. They look similar. They have distinctives. They have some boundaries. But you only get a cluster of grapes. Now, this is very, very powerful and very, going to be very helpful for you and challenging. You don't grow one of these at the expense of another. You don't say, I'm low on patience right now, so I'm going to work on patience. No. If you're low on patience right now, it's because you're low on others. This is more like a smoothie than it is nine individual fruits. <laughs> These all got put together. You don't separate them out of the smoothie. You take a drink, you get the whole deal, all nine of them. This is the fruit of the Spirit. So you can't rank yourself. Oops, I can see the one that I'm lower on now. This is not some kind of a psychometric that a counselor gives you to discover where your pathologies are in your head. I'm going to work on the... No, this is the fruit of the Spirit. It's kind of like a diamond, a diamond that has nine facets. You can look at it from different angles, but there's one diamond. We learn these things. Remember these things about the fruit. Number one, fruit grows on the plant of its own kind. We produce what we're connected to. So you want to produce Jesus stuff? Stay connected to Jesus. Number two, Fruit tends to grow slowly. There is no magic Jesus prayer. I wish I could give you a sign and a prayer. Slap some oil on you, send them out, send you out, and you would be transformed today. I wish. But fruit grows slowly. In fact, we rarely recognize our own growth. We usually only recognize it in others. Some of you have grandparents. Some of you are grandparents. You know what it's like if those two, three generations are separated. And when the grandparents visit once a year or once every, uh, uh, twice a year, what's the first thing they say? Oh, my. That's what they say. Oh, my. How much you have? Yeah. The parents go on. The kids go on. I grew. The parents are going, grew. And then the parent remembers. Oh, yeah. Since you saw them last four months ago, there's been, you know, three sets of shoes we've had to buy for the, yeah, growth has happened. Here's the point about fruit. It's slow, which requires tremendous patience. Patience with yourself to stay planted, because if you don't stay planted, you're not going to get it. Patience with yourself, because you are a raspy person, but you're getting better. We wish you were here. We aspire but we're on our way slowly. Patience with each other. 
The only guarantee is that most of the people who came today have those raspies going on inside that we, we read about earlier and they're doing their stinking best with the help of the Spirit to not knock them down and not express them. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, he wrote this to Christians. We're patient because of that. The third thing is this. Fruit grows because of its connection, not its effort. Yeah. I'm a farm boy. I planted a couple of orchards. I watched them grow. I never did see an apple tree come out of relative dormancy in the spring and go, oh man, the whole winter went by. I've got to make some apples. The whole apple tree is just rumbling and groaning and trying to produce. No, this is organic. This is what happens. If you stay connected, you will bear fruit and you won't do it better by making rules and putting those on other people. It's what you're doing today. You're staying connected. It's why you're here. It's why we gather. We get together once a week. Sometimes when you leave, you say, my, that was a good service. Usually it's when Anne was speaking. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? When you say and say, I'm not sure what they were talking about. It wasn't that good of a service. Do you know what just happened? About as much as happened when it was a good service. Because it's about this connection. We get together and we use songs to worship God. We greet one another. We open God's word together. We learn and grow together. And we hang out in the lobby and we, and we engage in relationship. If we have kids, we make sure that they're getting connected and growing their faith. It's just good to gather, even if it's a bad service. We do that. Commend you. This is a bad service. You're here. I don't know. This week, your homework is to read the six chapters of Galatians. And so just pick one a week and, and you're going to read the Bible. You're going to do some one-on-one time with God and and then I hope you group up. Anne's going to give some invitation for guys to get together, for women to start studies, all kinds of groups. You get with men, you get with women, you, you get with life groups. We group up. Why? Because these people are my best friends. No, the people in your group, don't tell anyone the secret. You may not even like them very much. Yeah. It's because we grow together. This fall, it's going to be so awesome. We're going to be launching something, and probably a couple of hundred of you are going to participate. Right now, the pilot project uh, includes 60 of our leaders here. It's called Rooted. Is that a good name? Rooted. This is the whole idea, isn't it? Rooted. And together in groups for 10 weeks this fall, we're going to be just learning some things together and sharing our story and really understanding the fundamentals of our, of our faith and the Bible and prayer, and it's going to be a transformational time. Because we bear fruit when we're rooted and we grow together in Christ. Let's give Jesus the final word. The night before he was betrayed and then killed, in John 15, he said, I'm the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. You've already been pruned, and purified by the message I have given you. Here's the deal. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. He goes on in verse 9. I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. And when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Now, I've told you these things in order that you'll be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love until they lay down one's life for one's friends. Here's the bottom line. Staying connected to Jesus 
empowers our ability to love. And being connected to Jesus always leads to love because God is love. And love is the anchor of the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray. God, would you help us get anchored in you? For those of us today that are coming home to you, reaching out to a relationship with you, we agree with you and confess that we have sinned, we have blown it, we've gone our own way, we found ourselves in the list. And in our confession to you, we receive your forgiveness. Right now, others have their heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to open mine. I'm going to look across the room. If that's who you are today, you came today to get right with God. The prayer that I just prayed really was what you were feeling in your heart. Would you just quickly look at me, raise your hand, want to see you, don't want to miss you. Always have folks that say yes to Jesus. Awesome. Lord, just like the churches at Galatia, we are a congregation of faith, and today we've been confronted with some of the nasties that are in us. Thank you for helping us gain some understanding, but also thank you, Lord, for giving us a solution, the power of your Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you give us the patience to abide in Jesus this week, every day, over the long haul? Would you give us the power of your presence in baptizing us, in in inundating us, saturating us with your power and life so that we will bear and express this fruit? Would you give us patience with one another as we love each other through our own struggles forward? And Lord, may we not only wish we were here But may this week you bring us closer to here. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I made it through that message without cussing once. You might want to. I love that man. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jared. Lots to to chew on today. Well, uh, maybe be chewed on with. (laughs) 